0: Welcome, Raise Your Inner Game Today. This is David Levin, Mental Game Monday for Monday, July 19th. So what has been lifting me up and pulling me down this past week? Well, I guess we'll talk about the diet again. So um, I think last week I was saying I was into that phase when it wasn't bugging me so much. I was kind of in the groove and that's great. So there are several days of that. I will say there's a little concern <laughs> I overthink a lot of things you may know. Um, I guess I tell myself that if I'm in a phase where I'm not feeling all that hungry and all that, you know, kind of disrupted by it, then maybe I'm not burning the fat. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not. Or certainly, I don't know if it's true or not. But I will say it, it plateaued a bit. The weight loss plateaued pretty substantially And uh, that's always a bummer. And you expect it, but it's still always a bummer. So by the end, the last few days, I finished up uh, Saturday this last weekend. uh, It was hard. I was just over it. I was sick of potatoes. I was sick of the whole thing. I was sick of not eating the yummy things that everybody around me was eating. And I was really ready to be done. You know, to be honest, the overall uh, results, I guess, were slightly disappointing, and maybe they shouldn't have been at the same time. I ended up having been down about eight pounds, I guess. I'll call it eight, eight and a half. And you know, normally, over two weeks, that's great. But um, when you get started, and you're looking at a pound or so a day, and you're thinking maybe 14, and I think I even said last week, maybe be closer to 12, 10, and not even get to 10, that's a little disappointing. So there's that. It's also sort of interesting to come to the end of it and start to think about transitioning out. You know, uh, one of the things that's really surprising to me, but after two weeks of basically no fat, it's not quite no fat, but it's very low. Certainly none of the things that are high fat items like the butter and the butter, (laughs) butter's the main one, but things like that. Two weeks of not having that and, you know, missing it. And when you get to the end of that, and you have some, it's not good. It's kind of gross, like really kind of gross, like off-putting. It's like, ooh, God, bah. And I notice it in everything. Like, you know, so yesterday um, I was officially off and I was eating all kinds of stuff. <laughs> not the best stuff, but, you know, getting back, getting back and having some sweets that have been missing, et cetera. And in almost every case, like even just a little, like a ginger snap cookie, um, the flavor was great. But somewhere in there I could... I could feel and taste the fat component in it, and it was kind of gross. So all these things I've been missing for these two weeks now, now that I'm done and I'm free and I have them, I don't really like them that much. <laughs> and that's kind of weird. I'm not sure what to do with it. Now, the same thing happened last time. This is like probably my third time on this diet. I forget how strong that is, and it's kind of weird to think about how quickly the uh, appetite for those comes back. I have to think about that a little bit. Maybe cut back on some of those kind of fat-based snacks and stick with some of the veggie stuff that was really super tasty. Anyway, so um, the end of the diet was pretty hard. It was kind of, it was weighing on me quite a bit for several days. The transition back is uh, just a little weird. I'm just not quite sure what to do. So a little bit of gravity stuff, not huge. Now the upside is I made it, you know, I mean, it's pretty, feels pretty great um, to have accomplished that with all the resistance to it and the difficulty of it and to have lost a noticeable amount of weight. I mean, I don't look night and day, but I feel different. I do look a little different and uh, in a in a way that I like. So that's all excellent. Um, this is a funny one. Funny why? Funny, I guess because it's so rare. We had a huge dump of rain this last week and it had like bigger effects than we normally see. We tend to get a little water in the basement and... We have a sump pump that pumps some extra water out to the side yard. So sometimes we'll get the side yard with some sort of little mini lakes building up temporarily. You know, it's not bad. Oh, we get some leaking in on the roof over our front porch. Um, You know, the kind of stuff that gets your attention, but it's not really concerning. And certainly other people have it a whole lot worse than that. But this particular rain, I don't know what it was, but we looked out in our side yard and there was, I mean... Heavy flow just blasting through our backyard, maybe coming in off the alley. We're next to a big parking lot for the hospital here, and it seems like it was coming off the parking lot heavy enough that it was coming across the alley and just flowing, rushing through our side yard and blasting out in the street. So as we watched that happening, we were like, oh, my goodness, look at that. It wasn't giving us concern. We didn't think, you know, something terrible was happening. But it was like, wow, this is really something. And then I came downstairs into my basement office. I just was checking around down here to see, you know, because for sure we knew there was going to be some water coming in with that sort of rainfall. And I come into my office. I have a basement office. And I have an egress window that was put in when we moved in 10, 11 years ago. And I walked up to that egress window and it looked like an aquarium. The water had come into the I don't know what you call that area, but there's a cutout area by the window so you could get out of the window and walk up these two or three steps. Well, this was full of water. And I mean, it was like two feet of water at the window. It's hard to describe, but it really was like the window was part aquarium. And at first I wasn't really registering that this was a problem. It was just like, oh, huh, look at that. I went and grabbed Margaret and the kids was like, hey guys, I got something to show you. And they come down and they're looking at them like, oh my God. You know, so the whole window frame, the 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 window sill, the structure of the window is all underwater. And of course it's not designed to hold water. So we're standing there looking at it and all of a sudden we see the water start to, you know, trickle in and kind of maybe more than trickle, kind of start to shoot in around the edges and the corners. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this could be a big thing. I mean, I don't know, you know, several hundred gallons of water it looks like out there. I mean, there's a crazy amount of water in that window well. So I break out the uh, shop vac and pull the rugs back down here. And I'm, you know, scooping up, vacuuming up the water that's coming in on the floor and picturing this going on for a long time. In the meantime, Margaret, who's the smart one, grabs Peter and they go outside with some five gallon buckets and start bailing out the window well there. And that made the difference. It took them quite a while to get it all because there was so much of it. But once they got that water level down below the windowsill, it stopped flowing in. (laughs) Oh man, that was just freaky. But I was, you know, so on the one hand, you were kind of worried, but it wasn't really, it happened too quickly to have it be much of a gravity thing, except for one little instance, which I'll tell you about in a second. Overall, I ended up being kind of uh, tickled by the whole thing just because, you know, we we, uh, we came together and handled it and it wasn't, ended up not being a big problem. But it was ex- an exciting moment of drama and urgency. And uh, it was it's a fun story. So here's the one part, though, that did actually did register with me as far. I wouldn't call it gravity, but something to be aware of in myself, which is uh, I freak out a little bit. So like when I ran to the garage to grab the shop vac and I'm coming down the basement stairs with it, about two or three steps down the stairs, I realize, oh, I'm acting in a way that isn't really safe right now. I'm sort of freaked out enough that I'm not being fully present and paying attention like my feet were wet. You know, I had to put on the water was so deep in our backyard. I had to put on, you know, like knee high rain boots to walk out to our garage. And so I'm coming down the basement steps and my feet are slippery. And I had this image of me being just too freaked out, not paying attention to what I'm doing, acting like it's a bigger urgency than it needs to be. Emergency, I guess I should say. And slipping down the stairs and hurting myself and making the whole thing way worse. And just observing myself being way more uh, thrown off, really, and uh, kinda out of my normal mind than was, first of all, justified, but most important, uh, really safe and effective. So that's really interesting to see. I recognize that in myself. I do get a little bit, well, freaked out, I guess. <laughs> and so that's something really to watch out for. So again, if we think about the gravity concept and idea, the situation has affected you. So I was, just, I was kind of in sort of survival mode, right? I was freaking out. <laughs> and so it pulled me down away from my really sort of present and calm and rational self. And you can say, well, of course you weren't calm. Your basement was flooding, but it wasn't really. And in any case, being in that sort of mode was just not helpful. Again, I wasn't thinking clearly. I wasn't acting in a safe and responsible way. So anyway, it felt like a good example of it to me. And I just need to take a breath when things like that are happening. Uh, That's a pretty good story. That was fun. And that is, I guess, it for my gravity things this week. This wasn't hardly worth mentioning, but I did have a really taxing day yesterday. I needed to drive our daughter up to Minneapolis about three hours each way uh, up and back yesterday just to drop her off for, a, she's going to stay with some friends for this week. And I was short sleep the night before because our son Peter has a job. He had to work till midnight and I was up way late to bring him home and... I mean, okay, a six-hour drive isn't that taxing, but there were several other errands mixed in. Uh, I wasn't really feeling that well coming off the diet that day, uh, eating some stuff that was maybe not fully advised in transition phase. (laughs) I just felt kind of nasty all day, and it was taxing. And uh, I mean, it was nice to spend time with Frances in the car on the way up. Not going to see her for eight days, going to miss her there for sure. But it really took a lot out of me. And uh, I could really feel that last night. Hard to be present when I got home with Margaret and Peter and this morning and all that. So not a huge thing, but something to, you know, again, think about. If you have other things you need to do and you have something before that that's just extremely attacking, you've got to really think ahead and plan for that and factor it in. All right, enough of that stuff. So on the lifting me upside, this one... I guess the interesting part of this is how personal it is. And what I mean by that is the things that lift us up are very personal and individualized. The things that affect me will not affect you and vice versa. And that's perfectly all right. (laughs) It's perfectly okay for us to totally own the things that pick us up because the more we can do these, just the better in every way. It's just lovely and helpful and all that stuff. So anyway, here's my story. There's a new series on Hulu that just came out this last week with Rick Rubin, the famous music producer, uh, interviewing Paul McCartney. I think it's called McCartney 3 2, 1. And I watched the first episode of that this last week, and oh my gosh, you just cannot believe the uplifting effect that has on me. I mean, in so many levels. I mean, one is I was a Beatles fan, right? So just at that level, I love it. There's another level where, you know, Rick Rubin is an incredible producer and very musical and the nature of the conversations he has with Paul are different than, you know, what a regular interviewer would ask him or what I would ask him even for that matter. And also, this may not make sense to you, but they're not just in a regular room, they're in a recording studio and they have the tracks from the songs they're talking about. Like, for example, if it's an old Beatles song, they'll have the tracks for that up available at the mixing board so they can single out just the bass part or just the harmonies or whatever and talk about those so they're able to have conversations about the musicality and the process uh in a way that you just don't get in any other format and you know having a musical background combined with knowing their material so well oh i just love those conversations he told the greatest story about sort of all the different elements that ended up going into the song Michelle you know Michelle my bell you know the song right the mix of things that went into that song ultimately ending up on the record just incredible and I just love it and there was another level that I think maybe a lot of people it just won't hit them the way it hits me and I don't mean me personally but me having had enough experience as a you know, songwriter and recording artist and that kind of thing to really get what it represents. But uh, I'll tell you anyway, just in case. So the the story is Michelle, that song, right? Sonday, mon qui vont bien ensemble. That song was recorded in an hour and a half. And I've read elsewhere that that's the way they worked back then during that phase in their career. They were still very much in a sense, employees of the record label, and it was sort of a an assembly line. I mean, they would come in in the morning, and they had like two hours, two and a half hours booked in the studio, and that was it. So Paul or John would come in, and they'd bring the song to, here's the one I got today, and they would teach it to the guys right then in that time, and they would record it and mix it, and they were done, and that was it. And so You know, you hear an hour and a half and you think, well, okay, they worked on the song ahead of time. Maybe they could just lay it down that fast. No, they hadn't heard it until they walked in that morning. Paul played it for them. They worked out the parts. They worked out the harmonies. They performed it in an hour and a half. It is just beyond belief to me to comprehend the level of skill and confidence and ability that that represents. Nowadays, I mean, this is an extreme nowadays, but you go into record now and you'll spend a day just working on drum sounds. You'll set up the drums, you'll put mics on them, you'll spend a day getting the drum sounding good before you do anything. That's a full day, (laughs) right? I mean, you have one vocal part to do, one bass part, one guitar part. You'll spend hours on it, going over it, practicing it, working on it, editing it, a whole song, and those are complex harmonies. If you pull that song out now and listen to the harmonies in there, they were all created and learned and performed in an hour and a half, just kills me. So anyway, (laughs) oh, I hope that wasn't too boring. My gosh, that show is just lighting me up and that's what a, a level four trigger is. It just lights you up, lifts you up into your happiest place so thank you Hulu thank you Rick Rubin and Paul McCartney that's been lovely I've watched the second episode now I think there are three or four more left and I cannot wait they are fantastic if you're a Beatles fan you'll probably like it Uh, it's not just Beatles by the way they're already moved into his Wings work and they're also going to get into his solo work so it's really a, a McCartney series not just a Beatles series but oh my goodness lovely so that's my story for the week. It's Paul McCartney. There are a lot of little things. Like I say, um, finishing up the diet, that was great. Felt good about it on balance. Uh, the, ty- the drive time with Francis yesterday was lovely. There are a lot of little things. But those are the ones that uh, made it into the mix this week. So that's my week. I hope yours was interesting and lovely and rich. And the next one is the same. And I will talk to you about mine next week.